Mahomes throws, pass, caught, Williams, touchdown, Kansas City, jumps on top. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We fly all day Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Welcome in, everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards podcast, where every yard counts. The Super Bowl is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. And today's podcast, we're going to be breaking that all down for you. But before we do get to that, we have the, of course, on Saturday, the NFL Honours. So we're just going to have a quick gloss over that as well. But we're going to break down the game. We're going to break down all the fallout, all the questions coming out of the game and all the talking points as well. And to, to help me do that, uh, we well, the three amigos are here for you. Welcome in, uh, Sean. Uh, did you enjoy the game? Yeah, certainly did, mate. Uh, catching up with me now, though, I've got to be honest, feeling a bit <laughs> tired. Um, but uh, yeah, really good game. Certainly a lot better than last year's effort, wasn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Well, you could you could put paint drying on that, and it would have been better. But uh, yeah, uh, we also obviously welcome in Lawrence. Um, I assume Lawrence that you obviously know that the uh, the 1991 Redskins are still uh, the last Super Bowl champion to make it through the entire postseason without trailing. So I assume you're you're happy anyway. Very, very happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, I miss, I miss, I miss management numbers. It's actually my 34th consecutive Super Bowl watched on Sunday night. So, yes, I'm officially old. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what. When uh, when Shakira and Jayla hit the hit the dance floor, um, yeah, I certainly felt old. But enough of that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that in the minute. But uh, before we get into first down the NFL honors, just a couple of prizes to give away. Obviously, way back in December, towards the end of December, we asked you to name your Super Bowl finalists and your winner. And I can tell you that at Jake underscore Heron, you are the winner of the ball and scarf. So get in touch with us at full ten yards. Give us a DM. Give us a tweet, and we will sort out your team's ball and scarf and we'll send that over to you. And obviously the impromptu Eyes Peeled t-shirt competition at Neil Elliott. You are the winner as well. You were the only person to do Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So well done to you, my sir. Uh, t-shirt will be on its way to you. Okay, that's the uh, prizes sorted. Let's talk about the main prizes uh, from last weekend and we're going to talk NFL honours in first down. First down. Okay, yep. So obviously the night preceding the Super Bowl, you have uh, the NFL's main event of the year where they uh, congratulate all the players that have uh, worked hard over the season and uh, obviously excelled themselves. Um, Not really any surprises in terms of NFL uh, MVP of the regular season. Lamar Jackson, 50 out of 50, with only the second time to uh, to win it unanimously. I think it was Tom Brady was the other one as well. Um, so obviously congratulations goes to him. John Harbour and Greg Roman, obviously coaches, uh, head coach and assistant coach, uh, they got the their respective prizes as well. Bit of a, a, a surprising one, I suppose, uh, in, a, in a sense that Offensive Player of the Year was Michael Thomas. He received 19 of the votes. Uh, Lamar Jackson in second with 17 and Christian McCaffrey as well with 12. Uh, sure, we'll just do a quick round table. Sean, uh, what, do you, what do you make of it? Obviously, because you've, you know, you've got MVP, Lamar Jackson, unanimous, unanimous winner. How can you have the MVP not be you know, the winner of their respective category as well. It's, it seems a bit strange. Yeah, they, they sort of do it every year, doesn't it? It almost yeah. makes it feel like a bit of a booby prize, really. But um, Second prize. Yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit of a strange one. I think, you know, for what it's worth, I think Michael Thomas, for me, was the right winner. I know that a lot of people said about Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I think, you know, a record-breaking season for Michael Thomas. I think a lot of this also goes to team success. You know, generally a player could have a stellar season, but if his team ends up at 3-13 and 13 or something like that, um, then they don't tend to get the recognition. So, you know, no surprise for me that Thomas picked that one up. Mm, yeah, I mean, Lawrence, we'll come to you. I, I think I, I probably stand in the Christian McCaffrey camp just because, you know, a, it's the NFL offensive player of the year. And, you know, if you took terms of talking total offense, he was rushing and receiving, wasn't he? Yeah, but I'm 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 absolutely with Sean on this one. If 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 you have all these gaudy statistics, but it doesn't actually mean doesn't equate to wins, then it's it's not really really worth it. So you look at the other two thousand thousands, and I'm I'm pretty sure they would have been playoff teams. We had um, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk, and I'm I'm pretty confident that both of them would have taken their teams into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Whereas unfortunately, the Panthers. Aside from Christian McCaffrey, there wasn't a wasn't a hell of a lot of offense on the Panthers. 
No, no, and they say you could argue if uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't on that team, they could be picking first overall. But um, yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah, anyway, obviously, still a season to him. Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes got one vote each as well in that category. Quick gloss over the rest of them. Stefan Gilmore won uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Chandler Jones was at seven votes back. TJ Watt as well. Uh, some people were moaning about on Twitter. He got 10 of the votes. Uh, a NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Ryan Tannehill just picked Jimmy Garoppolo to that one, 16 votes to 15. And then, you know, everyone else, Darren Waller, Travis Frederick uh, got a few uh, a few votes there worth worth writing home about on the rookie side of things defensive player of the year obviously Nick Bosa uh, the, the runaway winner with that one and offensive rookie of the year Kyler Murray quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals um, comprehensively beating Josh Jacobs and AJ Brown as well and like I already mentioned John Harbaugh um, and Greg Roman Baltimore coaches uh, won their respective votes as well Greg Roman won by an absolute landslide John Harbaugh uh, still won quite comfortably as well so there are your NFL honours there again the, the those players anyone that even got a vote should uh, should be well impressed with the seasons that they've had and should be proud of what they've been able to put forward and say some of those would have been playing for contracts some of those would have been playing for accolades and, and all the rest of it as well so uh, again we go again next season in terms of that but let's get to the Super Bowl boys in second down. Second down. Yeah, so what we're going to do here in second down, just a quick break for you. Obviously, if you listen to this, the likelihood is you've already watched the Super Bowl anyway. But uh, Lawrence, just take us through a quick gloss over the first quarter. So, surprisingly, well, it's been, been pretty much to form for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They started off slowly. Right out the gate, three and out, Mahomes, two incompletions, two short passing attempts to Damian Williams, both incomplete. They punt, San Francisco get the ball, 10 play, a field goal drive to open the scoring, five runs, four passes, one penalty, two Debo Samuel runs for 39 yards on that opening drive. So... I know that kind of interviewed at the end, I know they were talking to, to Frank Clark at the end of the game and he was, he was saying that they, they played such a, a mixed running game. They, they, they were coming from all angles and Debo Samuel getting, those, getting that big run early on, it was really, really hard to defend. Third um, and five red zone incompletion um, on the 20-yard line. They settled for that 38-yard field goal by Robbie Gould in his second Super Bowl. So, 3-0 up to the 49ers. Chiefs respond in style. 15-play, 75-yard touchdown drive in taking in just under half of the quarter. Just just under seven and a half minutes in terms of that drive. Mahomes, 5-for-8. And third and 11-15. He gets a 12-yard run, takes a massive hit from the 49ers defensive back, Jimmy Ward. The ball goes back two yards, four from one on the five. There was that weird kind of coordinated play where the, the three skill players did a kind of spin, a pirouette spin, direct snap to Damian Williams. He gets four yards on a four from one. I mean, that could have gone pear check very, very early on. So we've got to remember that's quite a, quite a big call on, you know, first drive in a Super Bowl. First and goal, the rookie Thompson, no gain. And then second down, Mahomes takes the ball, shifts to the right, gets in the end zone. It's 7-3 to the Chiefs. And I just have to announce on a rather selfish note that I had Patrick Mahomes at 28-1 to to score the first touchdown on the ground. So as you can imagine, I was a slightly happy chappy going into about midnight. So then 49ers get the ball back. Jimmy G ends the first quarter going two for two, including an 18-yard pass to Emmanuel Sanders, who already has got a ring with the Broncos. And then we move on to the second quarter. Mm. I don't know if that's quite a gloss over whether that was a double coat in there, Lawrence. But um, yeah, again, um, yeah, it was a very interesting first quarter because you had um, you could tell both teams were anxious because they had high, you know, a lot of high percentage throws, a lot of outside runs, and you could tell it was just uh, uh, so it's, it's amazing how 
if just being in the Super Bowl can make you all a bit twitchy, all a bit nervous, and you could you could just see it on the players you know, on on terms of hooks and just itching itching to get to, to get their plays off. Uh, but yeah, like you say, second quarter obviously off the back of the uh, interception was a Butker field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, that was yeah, a couple of fourth and ones that the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, had converted in the first half, but um, yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting because what I did notice in in the game was that um, some of the on both sides of the ball there was some some of the play calls were exactly the same, but the, uh, the the actual play was different. So obviously for the Mahomes touchdown, um, obviously he kept the ball and went into the end zone, but for the for the Williams uh, play on the, on fourth and one, he flipped it out to him a bit. It was exactly the same uh, play call, which was was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, 10 points in the first half for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, were tied their lowest for the season as well. So it just shows you the job that uh, San Francisco did early on. But San Francisco did come back with a masterful drive. Five out of seven plays went for double digits and Cole Juszczyk uh, grabbing one of Jimmy G's better throws of on the night, uh, scampered in for the score as well. He's expecting a few tackles but he literally just dives into the end zone on his own accord, uh, which is quite funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very contentious. When you, when you get to the two-minute warning in this uh, second quarter, there's, got, there's quite a lot of uh, heat going towards Kyle Shanahan. We'll, we'll talk about uh, his attitude, his play call, and his approach a bit later on. But, you know, pretty much what it come down to was um, yeah, Kansas City... Uh, were punting, but San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan decided not to call a timeout with about was it about 1:40 left on the clock, uh, letting it all go all the way down to about 59 seconds. So they had 59 seconds and three timeouts. So um, I can see why he's he's done what he did, and say we'll talk about it in a bit later. But essentially, um, it all fizzled out. Shanahan uh, essentially deferring to the second half, obviously getting the ball um, and yeah, going in at 10-10. Uh, only the fourth time in NFL history in the Super Bowl where. Um, teams have been tied at half time I thought that was actually quite low so um that was interesting uh, but yeah that was half time coming out of this yeah, com- surprising I'm I'm yeah just gonna say I'm when I was in the bookies and there was um kind of all these bets that half time ties and then whoever to win they were kind of they were bigger odds than I thought mm. and I, I didn't realize that only four Super Bowls have been tied at half time that that kind of stunned me when they announced that. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I thought it'd be more. That's better. Well, what fifty-four Super Bowls? Only four have tied at halftime. Considering they're, you know, these are teams that are playing that are essentially the best in in the league that year. You think it'd be a bit more nip and tuck. You think there'd be a few more ties, but anyway, not to be. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, we're, I'm not sure at what point we'll talk about the what. I, I don't know what it was between Shakira and J Lo at halftime, but we'll get to it at some point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, coming out third quarter, Kansas City not able to score in a third quarter either. So um, San Francisco pretty much tightening their grip on the Vince Lombardi. Uh, their opening drive uh, for San Francisco revolt- resulted in a field goal, although there was a bit of a missed opportunity there to Kittle, who had his hands on his hips. Then you had two Patrick Mahomes interceptions, both were strip sack in there as, as well. They, yeah, by um, Was it Warner and Moore, wasn't it? And they were sandwiched in between a Raheem Mostert one-yard touchdown, giving the 49ers that 20-10 to 10 lead. But it was that second interception that went unpunished as the 49ers punted going into the fourth quarter and that was their first punt of the game Sean how did it all play out? Yeah so like you said at the start of the fourth quarter you got the Chiefs down by their customary in the postseason double digit <laughs> deficit and um, like you said just started moving the ball at the end of the third um, and that drive continued at the start of the fourth and, and got all the way down into um, San Francisco territory down at the 23 yard line and it was a ball just behind Tariq Hill, actually, that, that Hill sort of tried to adjust to, came off his arms and into the hands of um, Ward for, for sorry, not Ward, Moore for San Francisco. And at that stage, I was watching the coverage on Sky Sports and um, I think one of the guys said about it being game over, I think the Sky Sports producer. Um, and they had Greg Rosenthal in there from the Around the NFL podcast, and he rightly said, don't give up on the Chiefs just yet. Mm. And lo and behold, you know, six minutes left on the game clock. Um, there was quite an important play beforehand, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but with six minutes 13 to go, um, we get the first touchdown, well, the, the second touchdown of the night, but the first one in terms of the, the three that they ultimately got in the fourth quarter with Mahomes rolling out right and finding Travis Kelsey for a one-yarder. San Francisco then essentially went away from what worked for them. Um, threw mm. the ball, incomplete, stopped yep. the clock. You know, not what was needed. Again, we're going to touch on that shortly. Um, but before you know it, we've said about this Chiefs offense being explosive. And, you know, Damian Williams is catching a five-yarder to put the Chiefs up for the first time since the first quarter. 
um, with two minutes 50 to go. Could the 49ers come back? Ultimately, no, they couldn't. And Damian Williams put some icing on the top of the cake with just over a minute to go. And that was all she wrote. Um, again, you know, a bit of an anticlimax at the end. It's it's terrible to watch, to be honest. It's not a great advert for the game when the game ends in the manner that it did with sort of people taking knees and running around in the backfield just to run out the clock. And it's yeah. part of the game. And unfortunately, it happens like that sometimes. But on the biggest stage of them all, probably not the, the greatest look um, to finish it off. But the Chiefs certainly wouldn't care as they obviously run out 31-20 in the end. No, absolutely. Especially if you're a Patrick Mahomes rush yards uh, better, you would be absolutely screaming, wouldn't you? I think what he did, he 16 rushing yards on them, them, them three nil downs. Jesus. Um, yeah, there's some unhappy people in Vegas, I, I, I can assure you that. Yeah, but it's interesting, man. That, that pick um, interception for the 49ers with 11.57 on the clock left in the fourth quarter, the, the 49ers were 95% favourites in terms of win probability at that point. Um, I did a, that was a calculation on Pro Football Reference, which allows you to, to calculate that, but I had ha- had that since verified, so it was correct. And the only reason I mentioned that is, of course, Carl Shanahan was a 99.6% uh, win probability as offensive coordinator for uh, the Atlanta Falcons against the New England Patriots. So, uh, again, we'll get on to Carl Shanahan a bit more in depth la- uh, a bit later on. But, yeah, um, I suppose this is probably a good time to talk about the halftime show. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I know a couple of songs, and I was just sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? I mean, the one thing I will say is my wife nailed the uh, costume outfit for Jennifer Lopez saying that she would wear a naked skinned, uh, whatever it was, but uh, yeah, so fair play to her. Unfortunately, I couldn't make any money off that, but um, yeah, there we go. What, what did you, did you enjoy, enjoy the halftime show lads? I was cooking pizza. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I used the, um, I used the nearby facilities and made myself a coffee I watched. I, watched the first, <laughs> I was wondering what I facilities the, you were talking about. Then I was really worried where that was going to go. But yeah, carry on. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed the Shakira bit. I thought she, I thought she rocked really. I thought J Lo was just sort of like a peacock, just kind of preening herself in front of millions of people. Um, and I wasn't as impressed by J Lo. If, we if we're going to go into a bit of critique there. But it's, it's, I think it's the sign of things to come, kind of, you know, the whole double act thing. It was entertaining. I mean, I, to be honest, my wife's just rewatched it um, just, just before I came in for the pod. And so I've, I've seen it for the first time. But yeah, it was, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst, but it certainly wasn't um, Prince performing it in front of the pouring rain, which was obviously another Miami Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, sure. I'm in the minority, boys. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thought it was brilliant. Genuinely, really, really enjoyed it. I, I agree with Lawrence. I thought Shakira was absolutely brilliant. Probably tells you more about my tasty music. Boys <laughs> I was going to say, mate. You, time, how big is your shovel, mate? How big is your shovel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm more than happy to admit, mate, when I enjoy something. Like I said, genuinely, I thought it was 15 minutes of decent entertainment, mate. So, thoroughly enjoyed it. Best one it's been for a few years, in my opinion, at least. There you go. There you go. Go. You can go. Sean, what's your Twitter handle for all the heat? At Sean underscore uh, FTMY. So something like that. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay. Uh, let's get in. Let's let's get into the crux of the game. Then let's talk about. Let's talk about the the, the interesting stuff in third down. Third down. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those Super Bowls where obviously we had the snore fest of, of last season, but I think generally coming out of this one, there's quite a lot. To, to come out of this one in terms of talking points and you know fallout and, and all the rest of it but let's let's talk about the game uh, where it was kind of won and lost so obviously we have to start at the quarterback position uh, obviously that's where the game is, is generally won and lost in in the NFL um, but I, I think the disparity between what's the ceiling of Patrick Mahomes and the ceiling of G- Jimmy Garoppolo essentially you know played out here and it just shows you that Patrick Mahomes only needs to be good for one quarter but Jimmy G needs to be exemplary for all four quarters for uh, the 49ers to to win that one uh, yesterday but uh, the question I'm going to ask you Sean is do do you reckon that game was too big for for Jimmy Garoppolo and because I've got an interesting kind of thought I, I watched it back I watched it back for the third time and I need to do. I do need to go back and watch some of the some of the 49, San Francisco 49ers games. Is there an element that Jimmy Garoppolo 
is rather than being taught how to read defences and decipher and make adjustments on the rest of it, do you, do you think it's just a case of he's just standing there and Kyle Shanahan, all he's saying to him is, look, right, I want you to read, I want you to read this cornerback, I want you to read this linebacker or this safety. You make that, you know, if this person does this and this person does that, you make this decision. Is, is that essentially what he's been told to do? I've got a funny feeling that Jimmy G, you know, he struggled when that pass rush came to him. And, you know, he, I think he was what, one of nine on when he, when he was pressured. Yeah, I think, look, let, let's make no bones about it. He's certainly better when he's only asked to read one side of the field. That's why he's effective off play-action passes and all of those type of things, isn't he? Um, at one stage in the game, I think he was something ridiculous, of like 15 of 17. He was mm, very accurate was, yeah, in yeah. the ball. T- to be fair to him, his interception, I would give him the benefit of the doubt he was trying to throw that away. Um, mm, I don't even, think he yeah. was actually trying to no. complete a pass there. He just you know, was trying to get it out of bounds and obviously Breland... Um, was able to cut it off. Um, I, I think it's it's more of a question down the stretch, and we're going to talk about him shortly. But I, I think the 49ers abandoned too much of what was working well because the, you know they, they essentially put too much onto Garoppolo at the end, like you say, when the pass rush was dialed up and the Chiefs were coming, and obviously they were trying to force their way back into the game. You know they've had so much success on the ground. The 49ers they just didn't, in my opinion calling enough running plays. You know, Tevin Coleman seemed to have a lot of work in the first quarter and then seemed to just disappear out the game altogether, um, you know, which was disappointing. Moster, you know, he obviously got the touchdown. I think his longest run of the night, correct me if I'm wrong, was something around 13, 14 yards. I don't think 17, they ever ripped 17. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they ever ripped, ripped off a really big chunk play in the ground game. Um, but but for me, they abandoned it, and I think they sort of then you know sort of asked too much of Garoppolo. Um, you know, for, for me, I think there was some questionable stuff I would say throughout. Um, you know, in terms of the way that the end of the first half was managed, I thought that was particularly bemusing. Um, and then you know it was almost a complete contradiction the way that the second half was managed. Um, it was almost like we don't trust Garoppolo at the end of the first half. You know, we'll. Well, essentially, you know, run out the clock and make sure that we don't give the Chiefs the ball back. And then mm. the second half, it was the complete opposite. We'll put it in Jimmy's hands and try and let him go and win the game. I don't think he played particularly poorly last night. I think, you know, it gets to the stage, you know, his final interception, he's trying to make something happen. You know, you can understand that. Um, I, I think the other thing with Jimmy G that people often forget is, you know, don't forget he's not played an awful lot in his professional career. And that was his 29th start last night. You know, it's less than two full seasons of football. Yes, he's he's sat and he's learned behind Brady for a number of years, but he obviously didn't get off the bench all that often. And you can't replicate in-game experience. You know, and he will get better. I think he will improve. Um, you know, for me, he's certainly going to be an you know an average or an above-average quarterback. I think with a you know a good supporting cast around him, I think the 49ers are set to sort of contend in the playoffs for a number of seasons now. Um, but obviously they will be looking for him to improve moving forward. Um, you know, for me, it was more of them going away from their identity. Um, I don't think he's, he was the quarterback to, you know, go and win them the game yesterday. He could have been the quarterback to not lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but ultimately I think they asked him to do too much come the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because you've got Jimmy Garoppolo who's, well, he's got two Super Bowls admittedly as a backup quarterback but you would think someone that's that sat for that long behind someone that good in terms of Tom Brady and the coaching staff, you'd think that his ability to, you know, you think the element of trust between him and Shanahan is, is quite an interesting one to debate because someone that's that sat behind someone for that long must have had time and opportunity to read different looks, read different defences. And obviously, yes, you're not out there. You're not replicating the pressure. But the elements and the the architecture of the defences are still the same. It just really surprised me. It kind of just, as I was watching back, it was and some of the decisions he was making, like on that throwaway, yes, it, you know, he didn't manage to, to reach the to reach the the sideline but yeah just some of the decisions he was making uh, when when pressure was in his face you ju- you just think that he doesn't seem to have as much ability as some other quarterbacks to be able to identify the people who are coming and yes defense is a lot more um, intelligent in how they disguise the pressure and bring in it um, you know because there was a couple of times uh, Sorensen one of the linebackers for the Chiefs was coming through and he had absolutely no idea it was coming uh, and it just just surprised me that someone that's been in the league that as long as he has and has had the time to yeah, put all this preparation in and, and learn and understand um, 
Yeah, it just took me by surprise a little bit. But again, the element of trust between Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, and Kyle Shanahan we'll maybe you know, discuss a bit later on. Um, but the thing we discussed with you, Lawrence, is um, obviously Patrick Mahomes, quarterback on the other side, he won the MVP. But a lot of people, a lot of uh, tw- people, especially on Twitter, uh, mentioning that Damian Williams maybe should have gotten MVP. Obviously, he's the first player ever to have 100 Josh yards uh, rushing and receiving touchdown in a Super Bowl. Do you think he was a worthy Super Bowl win- uh, MVP winner or were you keeping it with Patrick? Uh, I, it was a tough one. I mean, I, I was because I, I had a few, I had a few wages on on MVP. So I had um, I had George Kittle and Nick Bosa um, were my where was where my money was. It wasn't to be a, a George Kittle night at all. But with Nick Bosa, I was looking at the point. And I remember when it was twenty ten, late in the third quarter, and Bosa had already got the one sack. And then Jimmy, G, Jimmy, sorry, um, Patrick Mahomes just managed to kind of mm, got away, roll out, yeah, yeah. scramble past. I, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, Nick, Nick Bosa got his, he kind Slapped of got his on the claw on his on his ankle, yeah. but he managed to just get past and just get to the um, get the first down. Obviously, that drive ended with an interception, but this this was still it was at that point that was almost the moment that the 49ers were going to then eventually go on to win and Bosa to become a, a rookie <laughs> MVP as a defensive player. It was, and you know, we talk about the whole game of inches. We talk about that Dre Greenlaw tackle against um, the Seahawks against Jacob Hollister on the kind of one inch line. And then that was, again, that to me was a hugely defining play. And it was just, you know, the, 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 he, he brushed against his ankle as he, <clears throat> as you kind of ran through and that to me kind of separated but going back to your question about Damian Williams I mean if you take away that that 38 yard touchdown mm, yeah. in the in the final two minutes you know he ends up with 95 total yards and that would have been one touchdown 95 total yards yeah you know impressive but you look at you know Tyreek Hill he went over 100 yards mm-hmm. and you know, we we wouldn't be sitting here talking about the Chiefs as Super Bowl winners without that forty-four yard catch by Tyreek Hill. Mm. That was a, a, another huge, huge momentum swinging play. And then, you know, elsewhere, Sammy Watkins again, another decent game, just under a hundred yards receiving. wasn't wasn't the game for either tight end. Kelsey was held under fifty yards, but he, he did have a lovely touchdown in that fourth quarter. But Damien Williams, it's a, it's a tough one. I don't think he was a, a massively deserving MVP. No. Not like um, not like two seasons ago, sorry, three seasons ago, when the Patriots beat the Falcons. And I think James White was robbed um, of an MVP at the time. Um, I know Tom Brady threw for a massive amount of yards, but James White was that complete glue that held the Patriots team together so no I think Jimmy G got it in the end I mean it's, it's not often you get an MVP award with two interceptions mm. in a game and he was he was sacked four times he didn't you know he, he, he didn't have a really magnificent game I mean it's just that that ridiculous meltdown by the 49ers that that 21 point fourth quarter um, and that sort of padded Mahomes' stats because otherwise he wasn't doing particularly brilliantly for the first 50 minutes of the game. No, but I think it, it's a, a testament to Patrick Mahomes that he's he's pulled the, the Kansas City Chiefs back from that hole again. Yeah, he didn't play for great for 50 minutes, but he only needed 10 to, to pull it out of the yep. bag and win. And I think as well, just on your Damian Williams point about the 38-yard touchdown, I think you should obviously usually you should be going down there to to, to run the clock out and uh, not even give them uh, a chance the, the 49ers a chance to get the ball back. So um, you could argue some slightly padded stats there against against Damian Williams, but he had some he had some decent runs. He had a nice catch and run uh, on the left sideline. Uh, I can't remember what what uh, when it was, but um, and just your point on Travis Kelsey as well. He he came up big on some third downs as well. So um, yes, he was kept quiet, but he uh, Patrick Mahomes went to him when he needed to 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 get the chains moving as well. So. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, um, you, you know, you, you know the problem with these awards, boys, and it, it comes back to what we were talking about with the the honors awards. The, the MVP of that game last night was nobody that showed up on the stat sheet. 
The MVP mm. of that game last night for me was Mitchell Schwartz, mm. the right tackle for the um, for the Chiefs, and he has been phenomenal in the postseason. He's put up a postseason rating of 92.4 with PFF. He's the highest-rated player in the playoffs. And yes, I'm giving him a bit of love as an ex-Browns player, but <laughs> as a tackle, he's had 90 passing snaps and he's allowed one pressure. This is a 49ers defensive front that everybody has banged on about, and they were phenomenal last night. How many times was Nick Bowser in the backfield? How many times was Buckner in the backfield? You never saw anybody getting past Mitchell Swartz last night, but unfortunately, mm. he plays a position that he doesn't show up in the stat sheet. No. I thought it was the type of game last night that everybody probably was about a 7 out of 10 performance. Yeah. I don't think there was anybody that really stood out, and that's why I think no. the MVP was a difficult one yeah. to pick. When you, you know, generally it goes to somebody that you know does score the points or throw the ball or whatever. But you know, just a bit of love to a guy that does the dirty work. He does it brilliantly and week in and week out, and really thrilled for him on a personal level. Like I say, he was a great player. I was disappointed when the Browns let him go, mm. and boy, could they do with him at the minute. So, a bit of love to Mitchell Schwartz, great player at uh, offensive tackle. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I had one other nomination for a, just as... I was wondering if, Sean, you were going to kind of say what I was saying when you, when you said it didn't, you didn't show up on the stat sheet. And that, for me, was the, the Chiefs defensive tackle, Chris Jones. Mm. He didn't show up on the stat sheet. You, you, look at the, you look at the raw stats, he ends up the Super Bowl with one tackle. One tackle. But if you look at it, he also had the most pass defended in you know in the game three passes defended and you look at his his mitts were everywhere so i mean yeah. that was he was he was constantly putting on pressure no he didn't get the sacks but he was putting on the pressure he was you know he played an outstanding game and i think again just like you say with Mitchell Swartz Chris Jones is one of those ones for the football connoisseur to be looking at and, and paying respect to mm. so yeah i think yeah we've got to give a bit of bit of love to the guys in the trenches. Chris Jones, I think, is a free agent this offseason as well. So unless the Kansas City Chiefs franchise tag him, he's going to be very handsomely played, paid going into the 2020 season as well. So something to keep your eyes on there. I can't see why they wouldn't keep him over there in Kansas City. But yeah, they've won the Super Bowl now. So maybe they want to have a bit of a rebuild or maybe they'll keep going. I don't know. They've got, there's a lot of people that they brought over in free agency. Obviously, Frank Clark was another and Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger in the, on that defence as well. So um, yeah, and of course, Patrick Mahomes has still got to pay yet as well. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of numbers to be crunched over there in Kansas City. Just before we get to the main the main talking point that I want to talk to, you about, which is which will be Kyle Shanahan. A couple of people obviously get in uh, on their high horses about some of the officiating uh, in this in the in the yesterday's game. I know there was one that big bomb to Tyreek Hill, the forty four yarder. Uh, people obviously pointing out that there's a bit of a hold there on Nick Bosa, uh, and then there was a couple of I think blows to the head for for Jimmy G that weren't called for roughing the passer. But I think I thought in general the officiating uh, Sean was 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 okay. Didn't really see much. Obviously, the defensive pass interference was the big one on Kelsey. I thought that was fine. Um, probably, yeah, at, at worst, a bit soft on on the, on the soft side. But yeah, looking at the rules of what is pass interference, that is pretty textbook to me. Yeah, I think I think that's the one that people will will remember because it obviously had an direct impact on the play. I think you know Kittle does put his arm out, and you know, like you say, by the letter of the law, yes, it's offensive pass interference. I think the thing that drives people crazy is the fact that it's just so inconsistently applied. I mm -hmm. think there's been less than that that hasn't been called in the season. Yeah, and you'd like to think on the biggest you know biggest game of them all that, that they would let that go. Um, you know, but like you say, by the letter of the law, it was. I think for me, the Nick Bosa one. He's absolutely criminal, to be honest. And if you actually watch it back, it's probably as blatant a miss as the Nicole Roby Coleman one from the previous <laughs> season. It is an awful non-call. Um, Bosa has got past Eric Fisher for the umpteenth time in the game. And he's, he's basically got him wrestled around the waist. And, you know, that play doesn't happen if that gets called. I mean, obviously, if the hold doesn't occur, then Mahomes is probably eating the turf and it's going to bring up fourth and probably around about 30 because I think Mahomes would actually drop back about 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage um, to obviously let the play develop. Mm. Um, so he's going to bring up fourth and a mile, obviously, if the sack had have occurred. Obviously, worst case scenario, if the hold had been called, it would have been third and 25. And I think, you know, as Lauren said earlier, we wouldn't probably be talking about the Chiefs as Super Bowl champions without that play. No, absolutely. So, you know, 
I don't think it will be massively remembered because it didn't get the coverage last night on the broadcast. Like you say, it has been really flagged up on Twitter, um, you know, with people doing breakdowns of the game. Um, you know, but for me, I think that was an absolutely criminal call. In general terms, like you say, I don't think it was too bad overall, but that was a big one that they certainly got wrong. It was. I think in in general terms, it was quite an easy one to to officiate. There wasn't too much technical stuff going on. Obviously, there's the things that we missed there. But again, they're they're kind of the bread and butter of what goes on in an NFL game. There's nothing too fancy, and though they nearly screwed the. Uh, do you see that coin? That coin. What the point is? What's the point of having that coin if you've got text on both sides and then just saying one's heads and one's tails? What load of crap that is. Anyway, um, <laughs> just the, the sounds other bit a bit like a. Brexit fifty pence, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Jeez. Oh, um, the other, the only other thing as well, I wanted to I wanted to bring up on the podcast because I had a bit of an argument with some of the got some of my friends over this one. But that Damien Williams touchdown, where he stepped out of bounds at the same time the ball crossed the pylon. If that's not given as a touchdown, do you reckon that gets overturned to a touchdown, Lawrence? Um, I because it's a tight one. I but I, at, I think I think it, I was I think it gets at me. That and, and I I caught an angle where. I thought his his foot went out of bounds before the ball crossed the the plane of the goal. The other thing was this is the Super Bowl. I mean, how much money is invested in the logistics before the game in terms of cameras, in terms of everything, and yet they had this grainy footage. They could have, you know, they should have had a better camera angle on it, frankly. You know, it's all very well looking after all your celebrities on the sidelines and everything, but you know, set the cameras up and get some get some technology going. For goodness' sake, mm. I mean, we're, I can recall a Super Bowl many, many years ago with the when the Ravens were playing, and they used some really, really cool technology to to kind of you know review plays and and rerun plays. I remember a Jamal Lewis touchdown, and it was it was really great. And I thought, oh, this is the future. We're going to see all these all these funky angles and the 3D stuff, and then you know we're into the 54 Super Bowl, and we didn't have these incredible angles. And it, I think the the NFL are going to are going to take a serious look about how they have cameras on on the end zone lines to make these make the kind of footage better and and a lot more definitive because it was you know it was mm. tough and you know it, it could have gone either way. And then that would have been that would have been a huge decision. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say I, I'd, I was. I'm quite adamant that there's enough. There's a there's an angle that I've seen where, it, yeah, obviously it's simultaneous. I think it's crossed over the plane plane of the goal line. I can't, don't see if it's not given or if he's been given short. How don't they don't get overturned? But uh, I thought I'd just get uh, your thoughts, Sean. Any any opinions on that? Yeah, I think I think it's one of those. Isn't it? Like you say, I think it, it would probably just go with the decision on the field. I don't think it was necessarily definitive either way. Um, I think you could make a case for it in either direction. I think what would have been interesting, of course, we'll never know, is would they have ultimately still gone for it on fourth down? It would have brought up fourth down. They'd obviously mm. been aggressive earlier in the game. They got a chance to tie it up there or obviously a chance to, to take the lead. Obviously, you know, we'll never know because the play obviously was uh, held up as a touchdown, but it would have been interesting to see what Andy Reid did there. Um, mm. But to Lawrence's point, you know, I think yeah, I've always laughed, to be honest, the one thing with the NFL, you've got all this investment you know it's an absolutely billion pound industry and they're still using chains on the side of the field to mark yeah. out mark, mark out yardage it's it, it is almost ridiculous in this day and age yeah that is a bit strange indeed okay so that's the game just before we move to fourth down and the talking point of Carl Shanahan I just thought I'd play the audio clips from Andy Reid Carl Shanahan Patrick Mahomes on their po- kind of po- immediate post-game uh, reaction Great, man. Worth the wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Love this guy right here, man. And all those guys that came before, love you too, man. It's all, this is what it's all about. What a great team, great coaches. Appreciate every bit of it. And, and, and let me just ask you at age 24 to be a Super Bowl champ. You two have a unique relationship when you're when you're down with nine minutes to go down 10. I mean, you, again, double-digit comeback. What's magical about you guys working again? Yeah, I mean, we never lost faith. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, everybody on this team, no one had their head down. And we believed in each other, and, that, and that's what we preached all year long. And we got this guy right here to get us here, and, and we found a way to get it in the end. I came up short on just a couple plays. That one tip um, really got us when they thought we had a chance. Um, they converted, a, I want to say, a big third and 15. 
Uh, they got a huge PI call that got them a big explosive. Um, and then when we had to answer, we didn't. You know, we had our chance a little bit there at the end, and um, they made some good plays, and we just missed them. Up by 10, what's the offensive mindset on your end, knowing Patrick Mahomes is on the sidelines and is capable of doing what he can do? Uh, the, the, I mean, the way that it went, it was kind of the same mindset that it was all game. Um, just when we got the ball and stuff, I mean, it wasn't, we weren't ever in four-minute mode the way it was, um, especially when they got within three there at the end. Um, you know, we were up 10, but, you know, I want to say that the lease was about was six minutes to go. And, um, I mean, when Pat has that, he's going to get two possessions unless you convert first downs. And thought we had a chance to and um, ended up missing that third down. Um, just came up short. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thanks. So that's the game. That's a bit of some talking points as well. But let's, uh, let's get to fourth down and some of the fallout. Down. Okay, so yeah, like I say, I, I think some of the fallout here, there's going to be a lot of criticism going coming towards Kyle Shanahan. And what I, what I did want to bring up was just his kind of his game management. Obviously, coming into the game, he's a bit under fire in terms of uh, being accused of his, his offense turtling up as offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons in the, the famous 28-3 game. Um, but, I mean, he's not really done much in this game to help kind of quash those critics and all the critics that are on Andy Reid's back are going to start to jumping their way onto Carl Shanahan's shoulder. But, I mean, it even started in the, in the first half, second drive for Kansas City, three points up. Uh, they declined, he declined to did, uh, an, eligible, an eligible man downfield penalty to make it uh, third and, you know, it was, would have made it second and seven, but instead it was third and two. Now, I appreciate that you are giving Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs two shots at seven yards, but surely you want to give them further to go rather than the third and two because you know, two yards is not anything these days uh, when you, you know, just run out the middle for a couple of yards. But um, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a quite an interesting one. But then, yeah, the unforgivable stuff was the inside two minutes of the first half tied at 10. Like I mentioned in, in, the, in the rundown, you know, you've chosen to have 59 seconds on the clock uh, with three timeouts rather than the two timeouts and one minute 34, wherever it was. But he did come out and say that the reason he did do that was so that um, he absolutely gave Kansas City no chance of getting the, uh, the ball back before halftime uh, and to ensure that they kind of double dipped on the, uh, on the possessions either side of the half, which is a kind of a tactic uh, teams seem to go for now if they uh, do indeed defer and if they win the toss. Um, yeah. But like I said, also the fourth quarter as well, and I can't remember which one of you two mentioned it about uh, getting away from the run game. But I think an element of that as well, I think it was you, Sean, wasn't it? The element in the fourth quarter when they were 20 to 10 up, they were so predictable in what they did. If you look at their play by play first downs um, between when they were 20 to 10 up and then when they lost the lead, they run pretty much every time on first down and then passed on second and third, um, which is, is just bonkers to be quite honest um you know i'm all i'm all for changing it up but you know you can't you can't give you can't give Kansas city it's a, a team like that easy possessions or at least be able to decipher what you're doing you know you you're you know, someone like Cole shanahan comes up with the most creative plays and you know, the team executes so well and they have done throughout the whole of the season to to again turtle up like they did at 20 to 10 up uh, again say 95% favourites in terms of win probability at that point um, 20 to 10 up with the ball um, what is it on their own 45 or 47 yard line or whatever it is to then lose from there is absolutely unforgivable um, but yeah I, I don't know if you guys have any certain opinions on, on, on Kyle Shanahan what, what kind is the fallout here because obviously again we've mentioned the relationship between him and Jimmy G there's got to be an element of his play calling and kind of tied into that I don't know your, your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, with that, with just over two minutes left to when the 49ers had the ball back and they're, they're down 24-20, I kind of, I, I had these flashbacks kind of in my head and I thought, 49ers quarterback. And I thought, well, if this was, if this was Joe Montana with that, you know, he's going to go down the field. We've got the modern day version of Joe Montana. If we, we got Tom Brady. Tom Brady was there. You kind of you you almost you've almost given up as the defense that that Tom Brady is going to march the the team, and I know that the 49ers had really awful starting field position. I think they started from their 15. Did, Richie yeah. James had a had a pretty rotten um, kickoff return, and so they they were in a hole already. But this was you know it was it was both sides of the ball in the fourth quarter, so I can't you know. There is, you know, they the in terms of the 
defensive coordinator because obviously Robert Salah had been the you know the sort of glory coordinator through the whole season everyone loved him and he's going to be the next head coach of this and the next head coach of that and you know we, we we've got to remember that that there was a collapse on both sides of the ball it wasn't just the offense failing to to move Richard Sherman got burnt I mean they that had that a sort of gorgeous close-up of his face when he um, after he kind of let that big pass go and you could see his fa- he was just gutted you know he, he wanted to just kind of curl up and die at the time so it was I, I don't put all of the blame on Shanahan I think Jimmy Jimmy G has come from a um, a learning platform behind Tom Brady where Tom Brady hasn't traditionally used his legs to move the ball he's a pocket passer and so Jimmy G that is that is his nature. He's a pocket passer, as as you've said, um, Tim, throughout the season. You know, don't rely on Jimmy G's legs, and I don't think that was going to change at all. You know, in the in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, but it was it was one of those ones where there was it just everything just kind of melted um, all in in that final ten minutes. Mm. So I, I think Shanahan has got the ability to come back. They've got. This, this it is an outstanding defense, but the 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 magic was with you know the magic was with Mahomes and the Chiefs, and in terms of those comebacks, I mean the three consecutive ridiculous comebacks in a row. Yeah. So you know it, it's you know it, we've just got to pay credit. It mm-hmm. was just one of those games. I think we, it, you know if you could have played the game again, you would have had a different outcome. Yeah. But I think this this it was just the the chiefs momentum once they once they got that touchdown to to make it 2017 you felt oh my good oh my goodness this is not the the 49ers aren't going to come back and score seven ten points they're, they're going to be lucky to get a field goal here mm. so <laughs> even if they had it could have finished 24 23 arguably Chiefs still would have won. Yeah, and I think, Sean, coming to you, obviously going into the game, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're thinking that you need to score 30 points. Again, some of the play calling doesn't kind of tie into what he probably wanted to do, uh, obviously prior and going into the game. But a couple of stats for you here. Only three times ever um, after the 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter has uh, a team blown a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And two of those three were uh, times when he was kind of... uh, the captain of the ship, Sean. Yeah, I think you know you mentioned it on the pod last Wednesday when we were previewing, didn't we? You know, has he learnt anything? And you know, ultimately, you'd have to say the answer no. based on the evidence is, is no. I mean, I, I just think sometimes coaches just outsmart themselves. Mm. I think you know, if you take the example of the end of their first half, um, you know, which ultimately now could potentially be looked as a bit of a turning point. Yeah, yeah. You know, one one minute fifty three on the clock, 1 minute 40 roughly probably by the time the play's finished in terms of the Chiefs' um, drive stalling. You know, it's on the Chiefs' 49-yard line. The reality is when the punt's coming, you're going to end up either at the 20 on a touchback or pinned deeper than that. So, you know, leaving yourself just 59 seconds to essentially have to drive, you know, 80 yards obviously for a touchdown, you know, probably somewhere in the range of, you know, 45 to 50 yards for a field goal attempt that you feel comfortable with. Which they did against the Saints. Yeah, but it's ultimately putting pressure on you to almost have that perfect drive or that play from George Kittle that's a a once-in-a-lifetime play where he carries defenders up the field. Mm. And, Mm. you know, that they... They even start that drive with a Mostert run for three yards and they let another 30 seconds come off yeah. the clock. Yeah. The, the second play of that drive was a Mostert run. It was actually the Chiefs that called a timeout, believe it or not, which actually set up all the hoo-ha and the pass to, to George Kittle that never was. I mean, mm. you know, I would argue that you know they were just going to run out the clock had the Chiefs not actually called that timeout. Mm. Um, so it was very bizarre. Um, like you said, he, he sort of said in the post-game presser, you know, 30-plus points and... You think, well, possessions are key then, aren't they? If you want to score, then obviously utilise the ball. And it just seems strange. I thought, you know, they should have trusted their offence. And ultimately, if the offence had failed, trusted the defence that was playing well at that stage to have kept the Chiefs out, even if they had kicked the ball away. Um, Mm. But in terms of the fourth quarter, I think, you know, you said earlier about being a little bit predictable with run first down, pass second down. It was predictable that they were going to run on every play against the Green Bay Packers, but they still did it. And Mm, they did it efficiently. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, with the situation of the game, 
where you've obviously got the Chiefs that have, you know, had these couple of comebacks in recent weeks and turned it round in pretty quick time in recent weeks. For me, it would have just been three straight running plays. And, you know, you'd have at least burnt off two and a half, three minutes of clock. Um, You know, as it was, you know, the Chiefs ended up scoring, you know, 21 points in, you know, basically five minutes of game time. Um, You know, because ultimately, like I said, they just got away from what was working. Um, You know, so really, really disappointing end to the season. Um, you know, I think Carl Shanahan's fantastic. You know, I think he's a, he's a great offensive mind. I love the running scheme that he employs. Um, mm. You know, but you just don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to come back to this big game, do you? You mm. know, and ultimately, he's now had two attempts at it in different, you know, guises. And ultimately, he, he's dropped the same clangor in both occasions. He's let a big lead slip. Um, and even if you look back at that, um, you know, Falcons game, that was another one when he got past happy in the fourth quarter and didn't need to, you know, just let the situation play itself out. And, you know, I'm sure that he's probably spent all day thinking about it and given the opportunity again, I'm sure he would have been calling some different running plays, getting, you know, Tevin Coleman back out on the fields. You know, I don't think Tevin Coleman, I think I mentioned it earlier, I don't think he actually had any sort of touches of the ball in the second half. I'm just going through the play-by-play. I think Tevin Coleman had one touch in the second half. Mm. Yeah, yeah strange. just strange, strange, strange the the way that it ended up. I mean, you know, we've talked about it, and we we you know we joked about Garoppolo's sort of seven passing attempts or whatever it was in the championship game. I think we all said he'd need to throw you know more than seven passes, but. I think we'd have all been a bit surprised at him throwing 31. Um, that was never going to be a recipe for success. Um, you know, the two running backs combined for 17 carries against 31 Garoppolo passes. It just, mm. it, it wasn't who the 49ers were. And ultimately, no. it caught them out in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I do wonder if, like I say, going into the game, Kyle Shanahan kind of, um, when the game started, kind of contradicted himself, kind of second-guessing himself, trying to get too too intricate, too clever. But a couple of stats here, another couple of stats here for you. In those two Super Bowl games that Kyle Shanahan has been a part of uh, in terms of offensive play calling, he's been outscored in the fourth quarter by 46 points to zero. Um, the, inter- the, the thing I find very interesting is the quote that he came out with uh, about the fourth quarter, saying he we had to move the chains, not eat clock. Now, I'm not. Uh, I don't confess to being any kind of expert in American football. But if you move, change, you do eat clock anyway. So why not just do what you're doing? Stay, like you say, Sean. Stay to who you are. Stay to the running game. Stay to your strengths. Because that that Kansas City run defense was not great all night. They could not. They did not have any answers for any outside runs. Debo Samuel doing end arounds and and all the rest of it and yeah, all the similar stuff. Just keep just keep doing it. Why are you moving away from it? Why are you putting yeah, it? That- why are you putting it in Jimmy G's hands in, in, within two minutes of the first half? You wouldn't do anything. So why, like, why are you trying to second-guess yourself? Completely agree, mate. Tevin Coleman averaged over five yards of carry on the first, you know, four carries of the Rock. And, you know, it, it was just surprising to see him, like I say, essentially disappear. Um, just, just just bizarre. Just really, really bizarre. Um like I say, almost disappointing, really. It felt to me the whole game as though it just simmered. It never quite got to boiling mm. point in the game. I thought it it always felt like it could have been a little bit better than what it was. It just mm. was missing a little bit of something. And I think if the 49ers had stayed a bit truer to what they were, I think it would have been really interesting to see if the Chiefs could have come back. So I think the 49ers, like you say, they would have certainly eaten clock and you'd have probably expected probably put up a few more points. So mm. it was... Um, very, very, very bizarre for Mr. Shannon. Like if he uh, gets another chance, let's hope he doesn't blow it again. Mm, I'll tell you what I did like. Hey, D- I, I really Debo, liked... Oh, oh, go on, go on, go on. I was just going to say, Debo Samuel actually set a Super Bowl record himself um, on Sunday. Became the first non-running back um, who was also not a quarterback to go over 50 yards rushing. So... First person to ever do it. He ended up with 53 yards. So the only person that's got near that was Percy Harvin back in mm. 2014. He had 45 yards as a receiver. And then we go back to the to my boys, the 83 Redskins and Alvin Garrett, who had 44. So there's there's something there's something about Debo Samuel and rushing the ball mm. that he you know and, and his body type and just the whole thing. 
I can see him getting more and more um, carries next season. And, and this kind of, this really kind of unique style, kind of like, I can't, I can't go a podcast, obviously, without mentioning Lamar Jackson and his kind of unique <laughs> style in terms of running. But Debo Samuel, I think he's got this, he's got this knack of, you know, finding plays. And I think that, that scramble, that third down scramble, I, I absolutely love. Mm, yeah, yeah, you thought he was going to throw it for a little bit then as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, even yeah, yeah. Went out the middle. Um, one thing I did like actually from the game before we move on to, I see, I see the referees are moving in, but um, I really enjoyed the graphics. What did you make of the graphics on the Fox? Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I think, um, like you said, I liked it when the touchdowns went in and the. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. They were I, I, sort I of populated, weren't they? Yeah, I, I quite liked the the box score, the graphics, and obviously they had the the quarterback stats to the side. I didn't like the the text on the field saying what down and distance it was, but um, yeah, I know. I mean, the cartoon side of things, yeah, yeah, I can I can live with that because it's just the way the world is. But um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It's quite clean, quite slick. I quite enjoyed. I quite enjoyed it. And obviously, when someone scored, you had a little six pop up like a little computer game, and obviously that's why the way they've probably intended to do it for the target audience to get the next generation in. But yeah, Lawrence, you uh, was it a big thumbs down? Was it? Yeah, those those kind of the sort of illustration things. I, I, I don't you just really prefer digital off, digital text. Well, um, I, again, it's another one of these things with with the the sport and the technology and all of you know they they were showing off that they got five G cameras and all of this. Like we, we we've got to be in a situation where we've got where where we're going to go into the next couple of seasons. We're going to have individual players be be mapped with graphics over their head they'll have that they'll have their statistics actually hovering over their helmet <laughs> so you've heard it here first but trust me i I'm, i want 25 percent of all the statistics hovering over helmets as we go into the future mm. well you got xfl starting next week so you never know it might be there yeah. <laughs> um, right, a couple of uh, quick A or B's. Quite enjoyed it doing last week, so I thought I'd bring it on. Uh, a or B number one, Sean. Uh, Jimmy G and uh, Kyle Shannon to win a Super Bowl or never to appear back in the big game? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think it's probably more likely they'll never appear in it again. I don't think we should underestimate just how difficult it is to get back there. Um, you know, look at the Rams this year. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they will. I think they'll be competitive, but they're in a tough division. I'll, I'll go with B. Mm, okay, and uh, Lawrence, uh, A or B for you? Kansas, Kansas City to win no more Super Bowl, Super Bowls, or Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to not? I'm not going to say emulate, but to get close to the New England Patriots dynasty. It's not happening. Um, I, I can see them getting another Super Bowl win. Then, then uh, that wasn't, that wasn't we're not the question. Gonna, we're not, we are not <laughs> gonna, okay. No, we are not going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes in twenty years' time having won six Super Bowls. Ooh. No, that's not happening. Right. I've got a, you know, I've got a certain friend who's got to get a couple of rings first. So <laughs> um, we, we know who I'm talking about. Mm. So no, I, 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 I can see them going back. I can see them getting another ring. Definitely, even within the next three seasons, but not not a dynasty. All right, there you go. We've certainly got some, uh, hopefully, some cracking AFC Championship games to look forward to between the Chiefs and the Ravens uh, in the years ahead. But folks, the referees are running in. It's time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Yep, so like I say, this is your full 10 yards plug-in. So at the moment, obviously the Super Bowl is all finished now. We're all done and dusted for the NFL season. But the content doesn't stop, ladies and gentlemen. We, have, we are right bang in the middle of our season, uh, season in review series where we go through every single of 32 teams in the NFL we go through their season we look at what the expectations were coming into the season we talk about their season and we have a look at what the off-season might hold for them including drafts uh, the draft picks uh, free agency and any changing in personnel as well um, obviously college uh, now looking got eyes ahead to the college and the combine is only just three weeks away so uh, expect Lee to start putting some mock drafts in uh, obviously some podcasts as well so uh, make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that there will be some takeaways going up on the website from the fallout from the Super Bowl I've got a couple of things that I've taken away from the Super Bowl in terms of talking points a bit more from what we spoke about on the podcast and also we'll have a little article in terms of breaking down the Super Bowl as well uh, I can't remember
remember anything else that's going on with us at the moment. I know fantasy, fantasy side of things will be kicking off uh, dynasty-wise uh, very soon indeed as well. But I think that's probably going to do it for the podcast today. So I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. And don't forget to get 10% off at NFL, um, NFL Europe shop with code FULL10. I think I heard a little whisper, a little birdie told me that there's going to be some heavily discounted sales going on very shortly as well. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm pretty sure the code would still work for that as well. So um, yeah, mega savings as well. And say so if you're the, one of the two prize winners, Neil Elliott and um, the other name escapes me, bear me two seconds as I scroll back up jake underscore heron uh, get in touch with us at full 10 yards and we'll get some prizes sent out to you as well but i'm gonna get out of here because my throat is starting to hurt i've spoken too much so we will be back uh probably next week now I'll probably go once a week now that the season is over uh, a little gloss over the xfl as well that starts this weekend but it's goodbye from sean goodbye everybody enjoy the xfl on bt sport boys get excited yeah, season starts saturday absolutely uh, come on dallas dallas might actually win something <laughs> and it's a goodbye from lawrence well we'll have to start a new rivalry because obviously there's a dc team there as well yeah absolutely um, <clears throat> just one tiny little note on the end i just want to thank the kansas city chief sideline star for filling the gatorade bucket with orange gatorade mm. Um, I won a cheeky little six to one bet that it will be Orange Gatorade poured on the on the winning head coach. So thank you to the chief sideline staff for for doing that for me. You gonna but buy otherwise... you gonna buy lots of Orange Gatorade with it? I will, I will. I'll, I'll treat everybody when we meet up. I'll, I'll buy you all a Gatorade. Do it, do do an Eric Fisher. <laughs> That's it. Poor Everett. Uh, and it's goodbye smash from me it, smash it yeah. smash it between, above my head yeah, yeah that's yeah. it and pour it, pour it on top of your head absolutely uh, and it's <laughs> goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cadle it's a bye bye for now a bye bye thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com